and welcome to Too Many Movies, the podcast where we discuss DVDs, Blu-rays, and even the occasional VHS tape. I'm your host, Hal, and with me here today, user, introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. My name is PSI user 658. I do lots of things. I review games and... I review, I review games and other stuff on my YouTube channel, sometimes the occasional fan work. I also sing sometimes, and I also like love talking about games, love doing art, writing, lots of, lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. And also recently talking about movies, recently. Recently. Recently, hey? We're talking about movies? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Well... Well then, you're perfect talking about movies. This is a perfect show for you. Then we're we're here. Well, welcome to the show, dude. Uh, you wanted to talk about a couple of movies um, mm-hmm. today, and I'm glad you chose this. This is actually something uh, I've been excited to talk about uh, for a while now. Let's just uh, start things off by saying we're talking about the Naked Gun trilogy today, a oh, comedy yeah. trilogy starring Leslie Nielsen. Uh, so I I think we should start things off with the first movie, that being The Naked Gun from, what is, what's, what's the year of Naked Gun? It's like 1988, 1988, yeah. Yeah, 1988. So this was like, like eight years after Airplane. These, these, are, this, these movies are from the same guys who did the Airplane movies. Um, yeah, Sucker, Abram Sucker. Yeah, Zucker, Abram Sucker, yeah. So the... I have always been more of an airplane boy, but I did grow up watching The Naked Gun, the first one. Um, so, mm-hmm. uh, what did you think of The Naked Gun from the Files of Police Squad? I freaking, I still love this movie. Yeah. You see, back when I, back back in the day in the past, I used to watch a lot of spoof films like Scary Movie, Airplane, Naked Gun. But uh, I, I, for some reason, I had a fascination about spoof films because there's something interesting about spoof films in regards to the reference humor as well as making jokes nonstop, but still telling like some of the most absurd films, but only in the in the name of comedy. Comedy. Obviously, recent times, most of those spoof films that I watch, I still con- I consider them like trash. Recently, like scary movie, like for example, superhero movie and the Fritz Fritbird Seltzer movies. Those are horrible. I don't yeah. like them anymore. I they're they're <laughs> horrifying. I don't ever want to. But the spoof films that I still have a lot of love and respect for are the Airplane, of course, and the Naked Gun trilogy. And revisiting the and revisiting Naked Gun in this in this time around. It was it was a it was a great experience. I, I I after many years, I still love laughing at especially a Naked Gun one. It's just mm-hmm. it's just a it's just a piece of comedy, very very special to me. Leslie Nielsen is a treasure. Mister Don't Call Me Shirley himself. He's he's fantastic <laughs> with all the the dead the comedy delivery, especially having all these actors who who normally are known for dramatic roles, but but they but they do all this stuff for slapstick comedy, and it works tremendous tremendously, honestly. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you say like recent spoof films and I'm like thinking like when was the last official spoof movie that we got? Because we don't I don't think you see them that much anymore because like mm-hmm. like I'm literally trying yeah, to think it's a, of it's like, a, it's like, a, it's, like a, it's like a dead genre right now. It kind of is. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's still there's like I mean, there's still comedy movies still being made, but like a lot of them are like, you know, standard mainstream Hollywood comedies. And then occasionally mm-hmm. you get like the smaller stuff, but like, yeah, you don't really get spoof movies that much anymore um, mm-hmm. or satire. Like, I guess maybe because, you know, things like the Internet and YouTube and stuff like that really took off where like people like anybody can make a 
a spoof. I mean, I guess it cringes me to it really cringes me to say this, but I think like the modern spoof would be stuff like how it should have ended. Blech. yeah it's yeah and 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 yeah and it's all because of fragrant salt surf for basically ruining the spoof genre the spoof genre with and i think the biggest reason for that is because what the old spoof movies already did like airplane naked gone all those spoof films is because they wanted to tell a coherent narrative an absurd one well technically a very absurd one but it's it's still telling a narrative they wanted to tell a story making they're still making joke. They're still making nonstop jokes and re- and sometimes references, but they're still wanting to tell a story with these characters. What all these recent spoof films have have made them age worse is because they're just reference humor or basically st- steal the plot lines of all of the movies they're referencing. For example, superhero movie. It's just it's just the plot of Spider Man One and in, in, in inserting all the all the references of modern superhero movies as you can. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just not funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I guess that's true. It's, it, it is just a dying art, um, which is a shame because yeah, something like the naked gun is really funny. Like it, this is definitely, yeah, I would not call this my favorite, uh, Zucker brothers movie. Um, I am mm-hmm. more partial to airplane, but that's a episode for a different day for the naked yeah. gun itself. I think what is so good about this is that you know i mean like the 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 kind of detective mystery kind of movies kind of lends itself to these kinds of absurdist um uh like jokes and stuff like that you know because like frank drebin who is leslie nielsen's character is just such a goofball but like in a way that only leslie nielsen could deliver it because he's so deadpan like exactly exactly yeah everything he says is just so funny because he's just saying it in the most like deadpan serious sort of way. And it just leads to just so many good jokes and so many good gags. I got to say, mm-hmm. <laughs> what mm-hmm. am I- it's, the, it's the way, it's the way he says it so seriously. It's what makes, it's what makes the joke work. It's because he yeah. says all those absurd things in the most serious tone possible that just make, makes it so funny. It's that, 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 that way. Yeah, exactly. Like you got just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like trying to think of more specific ones. Like I feel like I want to go off of like uh Oh god, there's that so there's that scene at some point where like he's talking to the mayor of LA, who by the way is played by Nancy Marshand, who was Livia Soprano mm-hmm. on The Sopranos. I have to mention that because I have Soprano's brain rot. Um of course. And they were like it's supposed to be like a a parody of like the Dirty Harry movies. I remember like when I watched this with my dad years ago, he was explaining that to me because like it just seemed like a normal back and forth between the two characters. But then he's like, no, that's a reference to Dirty Harry um, where she's mm-hmm. like, Drebin, I don't want any more trouble like you had last year on the South Side. Understand? That's my policy. And Frank goes, yes, well, when I see five weirdos dressed in togas stabbing a guy in the middle of the park in full view of 100 people, I shoot the <laughs> bastards. That's my policy. And then the mayor goes, that was a Shakespeare in the Park production of Julius Caesar, you moron. You killed five actors. Good ones. <laughs> this is like... Good ones. Good one. Good ones at that. <laughs> yeah, good ones. Like, it's just... It's so it yes, like and that's and that's kind of the point of like um I think that ties into like what we were talking about with spoof spoof movies earlier. It's just like that right there is a funny back and forth between these two characters. But 
as I said, my dad had pointed out that's a reference to Dirty Harry because it's a similar back and forth in the Dirty Harry movies. So like mm. it's both a really funny scene, but it's also a really funny reference, but it works either way. Like I did not know it was supposed to be a reference when I first watched it, but the scene was still funny to me because it's like, oh, haha, he killed five people <laughs> like performing Shakespeare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 just it's it's that's one other thing about this about these movies, especially Naked Gun, as, and especially Airplane. This is a movie that is just worth rewatching a lot of times because sometimes mm-hmm. a joke you can get, but other jokes you don't get. But once you rewatch them, you can understand their jokes and the references they do, and it it just makes it a lot more funnier. Yeah, exactly. There's oh my god, the scene where he's like where he first meets Jane and she falls down the stairs. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's the opening. Let's talk about the opening, like, specifically. Yeah. How, like, um, yeah. it's just... The, Be- the Beirut scene. Yeah, they're, they're, it's just a bunch of, like, you know, evil leaders meeting together. <laughs> you know, it's... The evil dictators plan- planning out the, ne- the next conspiracy to make um, America look dumb, as it, it is. Exactly. Which, to be fair, it kind of is. No offense. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, yeah... That just shows you how well this movie's aged in that sort of way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Some things never go out of style. <laughs> but, never. But um, yeah, so even if you don't know who those specific leaders are, like I recognize Gorbachev because you have like the guy. Yeah, with, me, me too. The Russian guy with like the birthmark on his head. Um, you mm-hmm. have, uh, I think, oh, it was like Gaddafi, I think is one of them. Um there mm-hmm. was uh, what's that? What's there that? Was... What's, what's the guy with like the the turban and like the big white beard? What's what's his like? What's that guy's name? Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying to remember. Uh... I'm not good with world leaders who aren't current. I mean, even I don't know many current world leaders because I just don't. I, I'm not brave enough for politics. But like you know, yeah, it's, me, it's, yeah, it's... me neither. But but I can recognize that those are world dictators from yes. no no world dictators from the past, especially on the time that movie was made. Exactly. Yeah. So like, even if you don't know who they are specifically, like even just the gags that they pull in that scene are hilarious. Like, so like when Frank comes in and he starts beating the shit out of all of them, he like, he he like goes up to Gorbachev and he like rubs the guy's birthmark off and he like looks at it and he cleans his off and he looks at the camera. He's like, I knew it. Like, that's a funny gag. Even if you don't know who Gorbachev is, like, that's Mm -hmm. just absurdly funny. And then there's the scene where he fights the guy in the turban and he like rips the turban off and the guy has like a mohawk underneath. Like, again, mm-hmm. I don't know who that is. I, 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 don't, I, also, I also just love how Leslie Nielsen just looks at the camera after pulling out the, the, the robe and the, and, and the hat and everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's just like, whoa. <laughs> and then he just beats the shit out of all these guys. And then, and then it's just like, oh, who are you? And he goes, I'm Frank Drebin and don't let me catch you guys in America. And then he just <laughs> falls out the window leading to... <laughs> The very famous uh, Naked Gun intro where they just have, like, the cop car f- driving through all these different... Well, uh, it's technically the, poli- the police squad theme, but it's also yeah. the Naked Gun, so, yeah, it's the same series. So, yeah, 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 so the police squad theme. So, yes, uh, just a little side note, this is based off of a TV show called Police Squad. Um, I did not watch the episodes. I think there's only, like, six of them, because I think they only ran for yeah, like there one w- season. Yeah, there um, were only six made before they canceled it. Yeah, which, I mean... <sighs> That sucks that they canceled it. But I mean, I guess you can only do so many things uh, with this. Mm-hmm. I could see why they made a movie, you know, because I feel like I've seen. This, I've seen I, I, oh, sorry, continue. I feel like Zucker Brothers comedy works better as films. But again, I haven't seen the series, so um, I, I can't really speak on that. 
Yeah, I also haven't watched the series yet. I've seen some clips on YouTube and I can say the jokes are very funny. Some of the gas are very young. In fact, some of the jokes in the series are reused in these movies, actually. Mm. I mean, when you have gold, you gotta keep it. <laughs> like, you know? Like, yeah. Um, but anyway, so to go into like the, the intro, like, you know, and all three of these movies play, like use the similar intro where they have like the police car driving around in like these most random spots. And it's usually pretty funny. Sometimes you're just like, oh, uh-huh, I see. Like th this one, I think, has some of the best ones where it's just like driving through the town and then it's like driving on the roller coaster and then it drives through that mm. those, those people's houses. Like, actually, that's really funny. Mm -hmm. I noticed this um this time around uh, there's a shot when like you see the car like driving into the house and you can actually see the shadow of the cameraman <laughs> to the right like you can actually <laughs> yeah. see like, like you can see like the cameraman's shadow like behind it was really funny i'm like oh come on <laughs> like i i feel like you can kind of keep that in because well they probably had no idea it was there they're just like oh nobody will notice but it's just like i noticed like 40 years <laughs> later but i noticed regardless <laughs> yeah but it's better to let the keep and and not yeah. edit it out of the way <laughs> yeah exactly but yeah so that's that that's a staple of these naked gun movies is like the intro of like the cop car driving in all these absurd places um and then mm -hmm. uh it's just you know you then you get like frank going into i know these these are like characters in the show so like you have um let's say ed who's mm -hmm. George Kennedy. I believe that's Ed. There's like two different characters. So there's Ed played by George Kennedy. And George then, Kennedy. And then there's, oh, what's his name? Oh. Norbert. Norbert. Well, the, well there's Norbert. Norbert's a, a recurring character that played by O.J. Simpson. <laughs> yeah. Infa infamous, no, infamous known serial killer O.J. Simpson. Yeah. We, we could talk more about him and the awkwardness of him being in these movies later. But anyway, um, no. So there's a character named Ted who's like the Q kind of mm. character where like, you know, he has like all the gadgets and he's like part of the lab. Um, but mm -hmm. he so the character's name is Ted. But he's played by by a guy named Ed. But there's a character named Ed in the movie. But he's played by George Kennedy. Uh, so it's it's just a little confusing. But yeah, so Ted in this movie is like the Q or or like the lab guy. And I just love his assistant Al, who's like so tall that like his head's cut off on like the top of the screen. So like you never see yeah. his head. And I just love the scene where like. Um, Al brings in like some paperwork or something and then like let, uh, Frank is just like Al you got something on your face and like he goes to like uh, scratch it off and he goes like no the other side and he like scratches it off and like an entire piece of banana falls off his head <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, f the full piece of banana is it's, it's amazing <laughs> it's, it's such a funny scene it's like so split second like blink and you'll miss it but like it's funny when you notice it because it's just like it's just a funny gag like you just have like thinking about it you're just like he has like an entire piece of banana on the side of his face like you just can't help but think that's like really funny um Mm -hmm. But getting into like the, I say story in like air quotes, because again, th this movie's not very focused on its story. Like it's a spoof comedy film. Um, we We've talked about some spoof comedy films on here before. Like I've talked about Young Frankenstein and uh, Blazing Saddles. And I've always come to the conclusion that like the movie, when it comes to those movies, I love them a lot, but I would definitely say the story is the weakest part, but not in a derogatory way, in a way that I understand why it's the weakest part, because, you know, 
The filmmakers did not make this movie to tell a compelling story. They made it to tell jokes. Um, mm-hmm. And so... And so I get that, like, the story is not really all that compelling. Like, what is the story of this movie? Like, Nordberg gets shot and, like, Frank is trying to uh, solve the case. And it leads him to Ricardo Montalban's character, who's the villain of the movie, who's, like, wants to assassinate the queen. Like, it's it's all very, very bare. It's a very bare bones kind of story it's very so it's it's very surface level basically yes exactly it's literally just an excuse for like you know uh comedy to ensue like i i don't know like it, it and i get that and i feel like when it comes to the story yes it's the weakest part i will say though i think the reason i prefer something like airplane as opposed to the naked gun is because, yes, Airplane is very similar, where it's a very bare-bones story. Like, literally even more bare-bones than Naked Gun. It's like, these people go on an airplane, hijinks ensue. Like, that's literally it. That's the story of Airplane. It is so unbelievably simple. Like, I don't even... Like, you... They're pro- like, when they... When you really think about it, there is no, like, conflict uh, to that movie. It's literally just the barest bones story. They go on an airplane, the end. <laughs> um, but like, <laughs> well, yeah. well, technically people get sick, people get insane. Yeah, people, and yeah of- exactly. There's that, there's that. But like, again, like there's nothing to those movies until you start adding in jokes, which to be fair, that's what the movie's made for. But as I was saying, I think the reason I prefer something like airplane is because every scene, there's a joke, there's a gag. The, the movie is never not telling a joke and mm-hmm. i feel like that's the same here but i feel like it does try to have a little bit more of a story because i don't know it doesn't really want to be like airplane where every opportunity they have they tell a joke they like they're you know what i'm trying to say like i feel like there is more of a story to this movie than there is to airplane you know yeah, and that's yeah, and that's and that's one of the story arcs in not only this movie but in the entire trilogy, and it's the relationship between Frank and Jane, the, right? The romance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so let's talk about Jane, who I never realized was played by Priscilla Presley, <laughs> like the wife of. You never Elvis. knew. I never knew. You never knew. I did not know until this most recent time. I'm just like I like looked at the letterbox cast list. I'm like, how many? How many? What? Presley, Priscilla Presley. Yep, former wife of American singer Elvis Presley. I'm like, I, wow, how random. <laughs> like, I, I did not know that for years, but now I know. And she's really funny in this movie. I got to say, she works really well um, as yeah. as the um, super sappy love interest of Frank. Like, it, it, she, she works for what she is, but she also has, like, moments of really funny comedy. I, I mean, it's like it's like, it's like the the classic femme fatale of all these crime yes. show, crime movies and stuff. Yeah, exactly, femme fatale. Exactly, that's a good way. How she's like, she's like, "Hello, Mister Drebin," and then she falls down the stairs. <laughs> and then there's the scene where he's like, "Nice beaver," looking up her skirt, and she's like, "Thanks, I just had it I love stuffed." It's <laughs> a taxidermy yeah, beaver. I, I still, I still love that joke to this end. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Like. I yeah no I mean that's basically what we're doing here is just like praising the hell out of these jokes because they're really funny um uh god say some what are some of your favorite jokes in this movie I gotta ask 
Mm, some of my favorite jokes. Definitely, definitely the chase against the the doctor, the doctor assassin, where Frank has to chase him with with the drive, the teen driving school teacher and the oh student. God. It's so- yes, I love that scene so much because it's just so. I love the idea of like you know yeah Frank coming across the student driver is just like follow him and like the 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 teacher is just like all right now we're going to speed up and he's just he's just going along with it like that's funny, and I love the scene where like they go down the. They, they go down the wrong way and like a truck starts following them and then <laughs> they're just like and then the truck driver is just like hey watch where you're going you crazy bitch or something like that and like the driving instructor is so, like he was i think he said you damn broad <laughs> he, yeah you damn broad he's just like and then the driving instructor is just like extend your arm now extend your middle finger <laughs> and then the, i can't do this shot justice but when the truck driver looks down at the teenage girl like flipping him off the 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 facial expression he has is so funny like it had me in hysterics like I again I can't do it justice you just have to watch it like it's just it's mm-hmm. just I just watch it uh, to anybody listening just watch it it is the funniest fucking shit in the world and then the the chase scene ends yeah with the doctor like driving into a tank and then driving that or no what was it, it was like a missile launcher it, he, it was it was a, it was a, it was a ga- it was a gasoline truck then it was yeah. a missile a military missile and then <laughs> a fireworks building and then he bang, he <laughs> He drives into the fireworks factory and it explodes. And that that's where you get the famous gif of uh, Frank going up to, and being like, all right, nothing to see here, folks. Move along. And meanwhile, there's like all these fact, Mo- fact this factories exploding behind him. Yeah, it's fan, yeah. modern, fan- me- mo- modern, modern news media nowadays. <laughs> yeah, fan- fantastic gif. Uh, fantastic gif use, I must say. Um, yeah, that's a really great scene. Um we might as well talk about the baseball game at the end, uh, unless there's other mm-hmm. like uh, jokes or little ref- little jokes, I guess, between them. I mm. can't really there, think of anything. There's there, there's a there's a there's a one beginning scene where 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 they they're introduced they're talking about uh, the, the introduction of the queen and and apparently and Frank's microphone doesn't doesn't work and then doesn't oh, work correctly yeah. and then he and then he and and, and then he gave, and then see and then one of the people gets into him and you can definitely notice that the mic sounds too good for its own good because you can hear you can hear the little snort sounds from from Frank so when he goes to the bathroom it, the joke works perfectly when he you hear him pee and having like an orgasm it's just yeah. oh my god it's yeah it's, it's just well executed it's so yeah exactly how he just forgets to take the microphone off and he's just taking a piss and like it just goes on and on yeah it, that's that's really funny it's really juvenile but it's funny like let's be real <laughs> but yeah mm-hmm. so and also yeah and, go ahead. Uh, also, uh, before we continue to the baseball game who can forget the famous where all yankovic cameo at the beginning oh, of the movie fuck you're right yes we have to talk about this movie's weird al yankovic cameo so at the beginning frank gets home from beirut because he was in Beirut for some reason. I don't remember. But well, I remember because he was there to beat up the bad guys. But it's just like, aren't you an American cop? Why what are you in Beirut for? But again, absurdist comedy, it doesn't matter. What matters is he gets off the plane and there's like all these people there. Um, and he think like all these uh news cameras are there and he thinks it's for them. He's just like, Oh, I'm sure you're here to hear the story. And he just goes start starts talking to those microphones, and then George Kennedy's just like, Oh, no, Frank, they're not here for you. Weird Al Yankovic was on the same plate as you. And it pans back up, and yeah, Weird Al Yankovic is on the plane with all these flowers and be like, Oh, hi, how are you? And everyone's just like, Yeah, <laughs> woo. Which I think is a very offensive joke because not that seems like a lot of people cheering on Weird Al Yankovic, and yet not many people went and saw UHF. Hmm, suspicious. Hmm, suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> 
I just love how in this universe, they treat Weird Al Yankovic like some kind of god, god celebrity. Yeah, well, he is, but anyway. <laughs> well, true, true, yeah, that, yeah. I don't mean to offend that. He's a, he's a really cool guy. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, so, so anyway, that's a great scene. But yeah, the baseball game, the climax of the movie where the main villain wants to assassinate the Queen of England. Um, I mean, I guess we could mention, like, there is that scene, like, it's a very famous shot of, like, uh, uh, Frank, like, protecting the Queen from what he thinks is, like, the main villain, like, taking a musket to shoot her, but then it's a misunderstanding, so he just, like, he just pounces Mm -hmm. on the Queen and, like, they they, slide across this entire table. (laughs) It's a famous shot of, like, Frank just like looking so shocked while he's like on top of Queen Elizabeth. Like it's, it's a, it's a very iconic shot from this movie. Um, Indeed. But yeah, so then they go to a baseball game, a Dodgers game, or was it an Angels game? I actually, it was an Angels game. I think it was an Angels game. Yeah. Cause they, they call them the California angels. I think they're the Anaheim angels now. I don't, I can't, they're, they're always changing like sports teams. Like apparently the Raiders Mm. are back in Los Angeles, even though they were in, or were they in Oakland? I don't remember. Like, I, I'm really bad. I used to be really good at keeping track of sports teams. I'm not anymore, clearly, but <laughs> show, shows what mm-hmm. I know. But anyway, so they're at an Angels game, um, and that's the scene where, like, uh, Frank d- dresses up as Enrico Palazzo, the, the opera singer who is going to sing the national anthem, <laughs> and everybody just buys it, and he just starts singing the national – he starts butchering the national anthem uh, – and then he like, and that's when he becomes like the umpire and like, then he saves the queen as the umpire. And then he like lifts up his head and like Francis from Pee Wee's Big Adventure goes, hey, it's Enrico Palazzo. <laughs> and they all start cheering for him. And yeah. like Enrico Palazzo. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Like that's, that's one of the most famous scenes in the movie is like uh, Francis from Pee Wee's Big Adventure just going, hey, it's Enrico Palazzo. <laughs> Oh god, such a classic scene. Um and then yeah, no, I mean that's the thing is like we could just be like praising the hell out of these jokes because there's a lot of really funny jokes. I love the, the <laughs> I love the scene where like all the umpires are yelling at Frank and he like pulls out a gun cuz he notices the queen's about to die and the, all the umpires go like, "Whoa, hey, okay. All right, he was safe. Never mind." <laughs> Yeah, and and also and also that of all baseball players, the hypnotized serial killer is Reggie Jackson for some yeah. reason. Yeah, Reggie Jackson, like, and he and he's really funny because he's just like, I must kill the queen as he's moving like a robot. <laughs> I, I also I also saw the original trailer for the movie. I love how they say and and Reggie Johnson in his in his first dramatic role. It's just oh my god, it's oh, so funny. Oh, do they? That's funny. Even though he's in the movie for like thirty seconds, that's and and and, and a random lady from the audience just falls on him. That's funny. Yeah, the random fat lady just falls on. Him. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Be- beautiful movie. Um, it ends with Ricardo Montalban getting smushed into the pavement, and he dies. <laughs> it's like uh, probably probably my se- my second favorite villain dead of this entire trilogy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he, it's, it's, I, I love Ricardo Montalban, I mean, I'm more of a fan of him in, like, say, Star Trek 2, or, he mm-hmm. was, he was in Spy Kids, for all you youngins out there, he was the grandpa in yep. Spy Kids, <laughs> I guess that's where yep. most people would know him from, Yeah, or, or Star Trek, oh. either or, <laughs> like, yeah, who can forget Khan? Yeah, Khan, love Khan, not in Star Trek Into Darkness, but eh, it's a, a discussion for another time, anyway, <laughs> 
but he, <laughs> he uh yeah no he's a lot of fun because he's just like this super serious guy and i love his accent um and yeah i just love his death how he just like falls over like he gets run over by a bus run over by a steamroller and then run over by a bunch of like a marching band like it's 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 so funny it, it's it's so absurdist and so funny and it just i mean that's all i can really say about the movie it's so funny you know yeah can I mention another another one of my favorite scenes of, of, of many series of jokes? There, there's the scene, of course, when Frank invades the bill, the villain's office, and there's so many funny jokes. Like for example, he's looking at the drawers, and then and then he pulls one, and he says bingo, and there's so, it's just a bingo card. A bingo That's card. still that that always cracked me up, especially when I was younger. Me always crack cracked myself up when I every time with that joke. Yeah, no, that's a good joke, the bingo card. I, it's super simple. That's the thing with this movie and a lot of these Zucker Brother movies is that, like, sometimes the jokes are so obvious, but, like, you still laugh because, you know, they still do them in such interesting and funny ways, you know? Like, I, I feel like if any of us written this, we would have written the bingo joke. But, like, even still, you still had to appreciate it because it's such a funny joke. Um, mm-hmm. I'm yeah, trying to most think of these of- jokes still... Yeah, most of these jokes still hold up to this day, and that's what yes. makes this movie really special as a comedy classic. I agree. I agree. Um, so, uh, is there anything else you want to mention about this movie? I mean, it's really not much. It's just it's a really funny movie, very entertaining. Some jokes land more so than others. Um, sometimes it gets a little sappy, and I feel like that's part of the joke. But at the same time, I feel like the joke goes like for example like at the very end we're like um jane priscilla presley's character like gets hypnotized um because because you know uh ricardo montabon has that device that he presses the button and that's how he hypnotizes people to carry out his uh deeds and like as he's mm-hmm. like flattened like the marching band's like marching over his button that he uses and then yeah, they press they step on the bottom and, and that activates Jane Jane's hypnosis. Yeah, and then so then she's like, I must kill Frank. And then like they spend like three to five minutes of Frank just being like, Honey, I love you. And it's just like it's it's super sappy, but like I'm sure in a way that was supposed to be intentionally like super sappy and funny, but like I feel like it just goes on a little too long, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe that's that the ways that that scene is paced is because they also had to take all the shots for all the baseball all the baseball players who are fighting and all the audience members fighting to see the mm-hmm. scene playing out so they can resolve and and have it and resolve their conflict peacefully and all that. Yeah, I I can see that. I can see that. It's just I and, think that that that's that's something that like these movies and a lot of Zucker Brother movies do kind of like get wrong a little is that like sometimes the pacing of the joke goes on a little too long and you're just like okay i get it and it just you just gotta like be like eh, all right i get it like can we move on please but i mean it's a comedy movie so like i'm complaining but at the same time i understand that it's not the worst thing in the world like if this was in like a super serious movie it would severely detract the movie's quality but since mm-hmm. it's a comedy you can kind of forgive it you know Indeed. 
I write in my letterbox review of the first movie saying that I cannot admit that the relation that the romance between Frank and Jane is is super cheesy and sappy yes. and all, but but I can forgive it because it's part of the charm of the movie. It's not it's not a movie that you're supposed to take seriously, obviously, because it's a comedy. It's a comedy film. You're just supposed to engage with the absurdism of the of the of every of all the scenarios that is going on, and yes. that, and, I, and I think that that's what makes it work. Sure. Yeah, I can get that. Um. So, is there anything else you want to say about this movie before we move on? It's funny how this movie also ages well because O.J. Simpson is barely in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. This is probably the movie that O.J. Simpson is in the least. Um, so, <laughs> I guess it works out that way. But And it ends with him like flying off of a wheelchair into the Dodgers Stadium or whatever the Angels Stadium is. I, I don't know L.A. baseball. So <laughs> I mean... Me, me less. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, um, this is usually the part of the show where I talk about if I'm going to keep the Blu-ray slash DVD slash VHS I own this on, but here's the kicker. Um, so I did used to own this on VHS. I got rid of it years ago because I upgraded it to a DVD three pack where all three movies are on this. Um, so we'll save the, the Blu-ray, the, the, the DVD discussion, uh, for later. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, once we've talked about all the movies. So speaking of all the movies, let's move on to the second movie. So you think it would be called The Naked Gun 2, but no, it's called The Naked Gun 2 and a Half, The Smell of Fear. <laughs> <laughs> so Naked Gun 2 and a Half, released in 1991. Uh, what'd you think of it, PSI? What did I think of it? I liked it. It's not as hmm. I don't I don't think it's as comically great as the first movie. I think it's like the effect of the light the the lightning in the bottle effect where the first time it happens is what it sticks you the most. But mm -hmm. while this in the sequ in this in this sequel, I really enjoyed it a lot. I gave it a seven out of ten on Letterboxd. I, I I really love a lot of the a lot of the jokes. I just I do think it's a little weaker because some of the scenarios and jokes do get me did weren't weren't that effective with me as the first as the first movie. Some things I just find them kind of annoy a little bit annoying, but it didn't retract me from enjoying this movie. I do think it's it's a really great it's a really great sequel and carries the spirit of, of what of what of what Naked Gun is so is supposed to be about. Yeah, I think it has the same effect as Airplane Two, um, because I've seen Airplane Two. Uh me too. It's not a bad sequel, or it's not a bad movie. It's just more of the same, and you're just like, okay, I saw this in the first one. Like, I think that's like its biggest crime. It's just like, oh, this is just not nearly as good as the first one because it's kind of just doing the same thing again. You know, you have yeah. Frank Drebin going on this investigation to like kind of uncover this nefarious plot by this nefarious villain, and also he isn't. He's trying to win back Jane uh, because they broke up. In the last, like, yeah. the they broke up in between movies. It's just like, oh, okay. yeah. That, that's one of the that's one of the things I find annoying about this movie that Frank and Jane just broke off off screen in between yeah. in between movies. It's it's kind of, I mean, I get, I mean, I mean, I guess they're trying to parody something about 
mm-hmm. about relationships, about the crimes, about couples that don't get along. But I don't, I don't know. I just find it kind of lazy. I find it kind of lazy that oh, that Frank has to return, fall in, fall in love with Jane has to fall in love with Frank again. Jane is dating someone who's is the, is is in relationship or or is dating the main villain again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It's it's. I can kind of forgive it because, again, it is like this absurdist comedy. It's obviously like poking fun at that at those tropes. Like, you know, this is something that like shows up in like, I don't know, a Thor movie I think of like, you know, oh, they broke up off screen. It's just like, yeah, that's annoying. But like mm-hmm. I'm supposed to somewhat take Thor seriously. So it's even more annoying in those movies. But um, as for this movie, you can definitely tell within the intro that this one's not as good because the pacing is just super awkward. So like it's mm-hmm. Frank at he's it's Frank at a White House dinner with uh obviously not President Bush, the first Bush, not the second one. Um <laughs> yeah. Uh and like obviously not Barbara Bush. And like I don't know, the jokes are just really awkward. Like some of them are really funny. Like, I love the scene where, like, Frank just bolts out of the bathroom and knocks Barbara Bush on her ass, like, for the bathroom door. Like, that's funny. But then you have, mm-hmm. like, the scene of uh, Frank, like, fiddling with the lobster, and, like, the lobster pinches the police commissioner on the boob, and then it plays, like, a stock scream sound effect. It's just like, okay, I know that's a stock scream sound effect because I've heard it in other things. So it's just kind of awkward. Yeah. And then, and then even worse is like the scene, like the scene ends to like, uh, pave its way into the, um, naked gun intro with like the police car driving all over the place. But like, it ends so awkwardly because like, it seems like the conversation is still going, but then the music starts playing and implying that like the scene is over, but like, you feels like you're halfway through a scene and then it just goes right into like the intro and you're just like, what? what's going on here yeah i i personally i do personally consider this like the weakest opening of this entire trilogy of this entire the weakest opening of this entire trilogy it's Mm. it's because the as you say that some of the jokes can are paced awkwardly and i Mm. get that what they're trying to do they're trying to introduce the conflict of the involved part of the involved parties about about talking about this dr meinheimer about about proposing his proposal for for better for better of how to use better energy resources and and all it is trying to co- to introduce the conflict between all these opposing parties but i don't know i don't i think that that kind of conflict is better situated a little later in the movie not not necessarily in the intro because yeah. in the in, for example in the opening of the first and the third movie you have something that is unrelated but it's still funny because it's trying to tell many jokes or or have some reference humor reference yeah. humor and that's it was it sticks with you <laughs> yeah exactly and also I, this is just a personal thing but the guy playing bush not as good as Harry Shearer's Bush in uh, The Simpsons. Like, uh, <laughs> Harry Shearer could do, like, a really good Bush senior impression. So good that, like, he even did one on an episode of Golden Girls. Like, there's an episode of Golden Girls where, like, President Bush comes to visit the Golden Girls. But, like, you never see him. Like, you just see his arm extended and he's just, like, talking through, like, the doorway. <laughs> and they're using Harry Shearer because Harry Shearer does not look like Bush, but he can, like get his voice down pretty simply and he's just like i just want to thank you dorothy for we here at our presidential campaign we thank you for your services to our country and he's just i don't exactly remember what he said but like that that's what he sounds like whereas like here 
I guess they just got a guy who looked like Bush Senior, but they and then he's just like, now let me tell you, he just it just doesn't work as well. I don't know. Maybe I just mm. have Simpson brain rot, and I just prefer Harry Shearer, but that that's just me. We we do, we do have Simpson's brain rot from time to time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but um, but I do like the intro. I do like at the beginning where like you know the janitor finds like a bomb in the trash and he brings it to like the security guards and they're just like. Hey, what kind of clock do you think this is? And like one of them's just like, it's four minutes slow. Let me fix that. And he fixes it and like the thing explodes. And then when Frank yeah, gets there. That, yeah, it, it's kind of, it's kinda of funny, but I don't know. That joke didn't lie with me. I just thought that they I thought that the cops, the police the officers there were kind of too dumb for their own good. Like, I don't know. I mean, I I, I probably expecting Frank to do that, but I don't know. It didn't hit with me. But if you loved it. I can understand where you're going for. <laughs> but also, but also that scene where like Frank actually shows up to the crime scene and you just see like all these chalk outlines everywhere. Oh, that's something. So like in the first movie, when they go to like the crime scene with Nordberg, like they have a chalk outline of him like landing in the water and you just see this like yeah. floating chalk line in the water. But like here you just see like all these chalk lines everywhere. You see like outlines in the windows of like bodies, like crashing through like it's who framed Roger rabbit. Like, that yeah. was all that, the, all, that was there funny. was there was yeah yeah there was one outline where all the old where a body actually gets all their arms and let's separate it even the head yeah there's also one egyptian egyptian glyph chalk outline for some reason i don't know why yeah and then there's the one where he's just like <laughs> he's just like where's the only surviving member or something like that and and george kennedy's just like you're standing on him frank or something like that <laughs> like it's just it's <laughs> It, again, like I get what these movies are. They're excuses for little jokes like this. And then you have like the scene where like he goes to the factory that Jane works at and he's just like, what can you tell me about the man that you saw? He's Caucasian. Caucasian. Yeah. You know, white guy. Six foot. He had a mustache. Six foot three. Awfully large mustache. <laughs> like it's it, <laughs> it seems like that where you're just like, OK, this is all for absurdist sake. I'm not really here to pay attention to the story, but at the same time, they still take the time to like, like pace out the story in a way that like I, you're supposed to be following along with what's happening. You know, like it's, it's, it's like the movie wants both things, but it doesn't know how to balance that, those sort of things. And I mean, it was fine in the first one, but when it's doing the exact same thing here, you start to get a little tired of it all, you know? Yeah. But still, you have that scene where like the dog gets hooked on a <laughs> hooked on the rope and like Frank's oh, trying yeah. to climb that's a, up. That's a good. That's a because like I thought the joke. I hadn't seen this movie in years, so I thought the joke was like, oh, he's gonna like launch the dog. Uh, he's gonna like launch the dog and it's gonna like fall over. But no, like he just brings the dog up with him and then <laughs> he just gets, and then the dog ch- chases d- him d- on d- the roof, chasing down by, by by the roof. Yeah, that's that's a good subversion of that scene. Like, or maybe it wasn't a subversion. It was just it was just genuinely funny. I found it. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think. I also like... lo- I also love that. I also love that before that he was actually dr- swimming in dr- sewer so, so drainage is yeah. just ugh, oh god yeah exactly he's just like ugh. <laughs> i did like some of the uh washington jokes like how you just have like the scenes where like <laughs> there's that scene where like he's it's like after he crashed a tank into like the zoo and like animals are like running amok around the city and like the commissioner mm-hmm. finds him and she's just like because of you there's a bunch of baboons running around dc and he's just like well isn't that the fault of the voters it's just like all right that's an ageless it's a, it's a, joke. Like, 
<laughs> that'll yeah, be timeless. And, and to hear the coffin, you cannot. And to hear it, to hear the name of the coffin, you can actually hear a bubs. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's just like ah ha ha. But some things never truly go out of style. Um, one of my mm. favorite jokes actually was like as. So like the whole movie's building up uh Meinheimer and his like uh address to Bush about like w- about his findings of, about energy about the energy crisis and like it keeps mm-hmm. hyping it up like oh if he doesn't actually you know get his speech if he tells his speech like you know he's going to they're going to get their the Meinheimer doppelganger to like give him the wrong information like that's a big thing but then like they get the real Meinheimer to uh explain get like make his points and like as like frank is like battling with the villain it cuts back to meinheimer like delivering his speech and everybody in the whole room is just falling asleep because it's so boring and i just think that's really funny because it's just like it because it would be really boring because like what he's like giving this speech of like all this all this energy all, all this research and energy findings and it's just so boring like there's that one guy who's just asleep he's straight up like making a c-shape with his body because he's like leaning on the table like that's so funny to me yeah yeah there's also one man like that that he's blowing a feather while he's sleeping (laughs) he's blowing the feather like oh it's so funny um yeah i'm just i'm just trying to think i think again this is another this is this is just like the first movie it's just like oh we could just go on and on about like all the jokes that we found really funny in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Do you have any others? Cause I'm struggling to think of any off the top of my head. Uh, mm, we could talk about the weird Al Jankovic cameo in this movie. <laughs> so, all right, well, let's continue the weird Al Yankovic discussion. So in the first movie, weird Al Yankovic played himself, but then he shows up in this movie as a guy in the, a guy in the, um, in the police station, he just is, he has like everybody, he has everybody like uh <laughs> hostage. And he's yeah. just like, you mm-hmm. pigs say your prayers. And then Frank walks in like totally like <laughs> it's the, it's him with the door. And then he's just apprehended. Like, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. And, and then that is like good, nice work, Frank. And he, and Frank is like, huh? <laughs> yeah. Huh? What happened? <laughs> yeah. That, that's so <laughs> classic. Um, yeah, no, that's again, like, so many good gags so many uh, a lot of the gags do sometimes go on and on and it's just like oh haha ha, it's funny but like some of them do land um uh there's, there's i think i think there was an et reference when the, the fake mindheimer gets gets oh, yeah. with, gets 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 his wheelchair out of control and then he he jumps from the balcony and you can see flying on the moon like et style <laughs> yeah there was that there was um yeah, that that was pretty funny, actually. Let's talk about Robert Goulet, the guy, the villain of the movie who plays Quentin Habsburg. I mm-hmm. never saw, I've never really seen Robert Goulet as an actor, but then I look at all the movies he's been in. He's been in some really big movies, like he was in Beetlejuice and Scrooged and Naked Gun Two and a Half. It's just like, oh, I guess he mm-hmm. is also an actor. He can be considered an actor because like I... Well, first of all, I know Robert Goulet to bring up the Simpsons brain rot again. He's in that episode where they get the casino in Springfield and Bart makes his own casino and he (laughs) hijacks Robert Goulet and brings him to his own casino. Uh, I love that scene where he's just like, are you sure about this? Maybe I should call my manager. Your manager told you to shut up. Vera said that. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, oh my god! Such a good episode. I highly recommend Springfield um, with the with the dollar sign replacing the S. That's how you can tell that's the episode called Springfield. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The Burns Casino episode. Just such a classic episode. I love it so much. But anyway, uh, yeah, Robert Goulet. He's really funny. Like he just has like this presence to him where he's just like. I'm a super serious villain here, but I can smooth talk my way out of things. Um, but he has one of the best. No, you go ahead. Uh, you continue. Continue. Okay. I was just going to say, like, he's just really funny. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Some of his, some of his jokes, the, the, the delivery, I just love some of his jokes involving him. Like, for example, in, in the, in the, in where he's with, with all the, with all the, with all the evil, come evil part, evil parties of energy resources, where he's talking about, where he's talking about all the alternative resources. And then he's got an electric car and he shows it like a game show award. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. And then he's just like, this is this person. This is this person. And these are people from out of town. Oh, yeah. They're, they're staying for, yeah, the, they're this- staying for the weekend. <laughs> Yeah, these are. Let me present you the Redmonds. Yeah. We can guess from out of town. Oh my god, I love that joke. <laughs> yeah, and then he also has. I, you said like Ricardo Montalban was like your second favorite villain death. Was was Robert Goulet the first, or are you talking about like the third movie have, being the best? No, this is my favorite because okay. let me describe it. So, so Frank is finding so Frank is finding Habsburg. So he has him, he has he has him on the nail. He has him on the on the window. He wants him to the abort the aborto, but then Ed just pushes him out before he can say anything. You think yeah. he, you think he's about to die with from from all that from all that high altitude? But but then he just he falls on the roof of the of the roof of the of the building entrance, and you think oh he's safe now. But then a lion just comes out of nowhere and shreds him to <laughs> and shreds him to until he dies, and that's so. Funny because you can remember yeah. the scene where where Frank destroyed the zoo wall and all the animals escaped and and you can see and you can see like the payoff of that joke with the yeah. lion killing Habsburg. It's just it's just amazing. It's just yeah. um it's just great foreshadowing. Yeah, no, that's a great scene about him just like fall. I love that scene how he just falls a great height and just gets up like it's nothing. It reminds me of the scene in Freaked when like the little boy like flies out the airplane and he lands in a field <laughs> and he's just fine <laughs> like that. Oh, Freaked, that's a good movie, but. Um, again, episode for another time. But yeah, no, I love that scene of Habsburg just falling and then getting eaten by the lion. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I again, like I can complain about like the pacing issues of some of these jokes, but the jokes that do land really do land. Like that that's the important thing I want to make sure that people get. Like I still highly recommend this movie because it does have some really funny moments to it. There's one mo- there's one moment that I do feel is kind of like a I don't know if it's a writing a writing issue or something but I do want to mention so so Hatsburg has contracted this guy named Hector Savage to basically to basic to basically kill Frank and all and all and there's this scene where where Frank goes to Jane's apartment and then and then Savage goes there and he plans to to kill both Frank and Jane but then in the next scene where Jane is Frank waiting for Frank Hatsburg comes around and he and he still trusts Jane for some reason even though he contracted Savage to kill both Frank and Jane I I just thought that was I felt that was a little weird yeah again i think that's the writers weren't really thinking about the actual story they were thinking about the gags that make up the story you know mm-hmm. so yeah i will say how savage dies is pretty gruesome like he, uh, he just he <laughs> frank just puts the the hose in his mouth and he, he gets full of water and then off screen he just explodes i don't i don't want to imagine what's the what's the aftermath of that <laughs> I would have liked to have seen the aftermath, but that's because I'm a sick fuck. But yeah, you know what? It's PG-13. They wouldn't have done anything anyway. So I get it. I get True. it. <laughs> True. <laughs> so 
Yeah, no, Naked Gun two and a half. Uh, is there anything else you have to say about it? Mm, let me let me think. Mm, I just mm, I also love how how they're trying to deactivate the bomb and they try everything they can, but no, only like five seconds left, and then let's get out of here. And then Frank just steps on the plug and it just yeah. it just disconnects and everything is everything is resolved. Just, yeah. The dude sets marking a plug. Oh my god. Yeah, the dude's marking a pl- plug, which you have to think about. I thought it was a nuclear bomb. It was running on regular electricity, but ah, it's a gag. <laughs> it's a gag. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you get it, but yeah, no, g- good, good comedy, good feel good comedy. I recommend it. Um, I'm not sure which I prefer the second one or the third one when it comes to like the sequels. I know I prefer the first one out of all of them, but I'm just, I, I'm, I'm just trying to think of like which of the, the sequels I prefer because I feel like they have their fair share of like really good jokes and jokes that are fine or like oh you're like oh haha that's funny i guess you know mm-hmm. so we might as well get into the third one um naked gun 33 and a third the final insult which has the best poster on letterboxd <laughs> yeah yeah I, w- I, w- I wanted to discuss that what the hell dude is that even a real poster <laughs> so for those of you who don't know you go onto my letterboxd and see the poster i selected for it so there was an ad that they made for this movie back in the day. Uh, I think it was like on the Vanity Fair uh, cover where um, Demi Moore. Well, the original image is Demi Moore commissioned Vanity Fair f- to announce her pregnancy where she's just completely naked showing off her big belly and for well. Not for some reason. Obviously, the Zucker brothers or whoever, like the filmmakers, decided to advertise this movie by like photoshopping Leslie Nielsen's head over her naked pregnant body and just saying, Naked Gun 33 and a third, the final insult <laughs> in theaters soon or what in theaters this March or whatever. And for some reason, somebody put this image on Letterboxd and used it as an official poster, and Letterboxd never took it down as of yet. I'm sure they'll take it down at some point because Letterboxd hates fun. Um, but mm, yeah. I saw it and I'm just like, oh, perfect. I'll get a lot of clicks with this poster. I I, I love changing the poster to like the funniest shit imaginable, like even if it's yeah, so it's... stupid. And of course, my comment section is just full of people going like, whoa, what the fuck is this poster? Oh, whoa, my tiny <laughs> Shafrilla's brain can't handle it. It's just like, ah, <laughs> it's yeah. the funny. <laughs> Anyway, Naked Gun, 33 and a third. Um, Again, same as the second movie. I think it's fine. I think it has a lot of really funny jokes, but also a lot of jokes that are just like either aged a bit or I'm just kind of confused by it. You know, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I, I I agree. I once I rewatched it, I do feel it's on the same level as the two and a half. I mean, it has some great jokes. Some the pacing can be off at times. I feel I feel like some scenes did went a little bit slow at times for me. But mm-hmm. but once when we get to the climax and all, I feel like everything is just and the energy is up the roofs and every and it's and it's and it's engaging and funny and all. And and sure. I, and, for, and for that, I I still really like this movie still. Yeah, even even though it's. I don't know if it's the weakest for me, but I do think two and three are tied between like the weakest and the first one, my favorite of the trilogy. Sure, I can see that. So the third one definitely 
starts off i think it's supposed to be a parody of like the untouchables if i'm not mistaken i don't know the 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 intro is supposed to be parodying something um where they're like yeah it's it's at a train station from what i read it's yeah from what i read it's from the train station showed up from the untouchables i think okay i've never seen the untouchables so like it kind of flies over my head i just yeah yeah, me neither, but I just read the reference, so I just wanted to mention it, so for anyone who gets it or something. <laughs> yeah, so it's a it's a scene, and then, like, you know, then it it's all a dream, because Frank is just like, oh, I was surrounded by crime, but I couldn't stop any of it, and it's just like, oh, but you're retired, and then they fly out the window, because they, like, press the button, and they just, like, fly out the window from their bed, and then it goes into... The usual uh, cop car flying, like just driving through random places, um, which I think I like this one a lot because and I'm not just saying that because there's a scene where like it explicitly just puts the cop car in front of that scene where like in Star Wars where like it flies into the trench of the Death Star. But yeah, I I am a huge fan of that shot in Star Wars, so I'm officially making this my favorite of the trilogy in terms of the intros. Uh, understandable there was also there were also some jokes like going through a bobsleigh there was also yeah. one where there are naked ladies on a slide for some reason <laughs> I, I mean that's that that seems to be a a common trend in zucker brother sequels is like they up the boobage very much so um <laughs> especially especially in, especially in this movie for yeah. specific reasons oh and there it, was also it's, it's a, even and there, there's even more so in airplane too like the amount of naked cleavage in airplane too despite it being pg mm. It's insanity, but <laughs> I mean, it's been it's it's been a long while since I watched Airplane Two. I probably have to rewatch that soon enough. Yeah, exactly. I highly recommend it, and not just because of the boobage. But anyway, uh, Naked Gun Three. <laughs> One thing I want to mention is like, and I really thought about it, and I think this is why maybe na- this movie kind of just a hair I would prefer over two is because it really got me thinking about the filmmaking of this of these movies, and I really didn't think I would bring that up when talking about the naked gun, but like you really got to appreciate the filmmaking of these movies because this was made at a time where like, you know, it was the eighties, the nineties, like this was before like filmmaking got a little CGI heavy. Uh, And I'm not trying to say that like, you know, CGI is not impressive when it comes to filmmaking. It is, but there is something about how people will shoot things practically in a way that like it gets you thinking and this is very long winded, but my point is there's a shot um, early on in the movie when Frank uh, comes home to Jane and Jane is just like, we were supposed to have a very fun night together. And then like, she's like, she like walks away to go to her bedroom. She, so like they, there's a, it's the shot. So the shot is Jane walks into the bedroom, slams the door immediately opens up and she's in a different costume with, uh, like suitcases and whatnot, like, you know, implying that like she packed really fast and she's like leaving Frank. What I love about yeah. that shot is like, it got me thinking about like how they did that. What they had to do is they had a completely different actress walk in with the cop with like whatever costume Jane was wearing early on slammed the door. And then Jane, the actual actress Priscilla Presley in a different garb than what she was going to do and just walks out like that like they had to really think about the timing of that shot and that just really got me thinking Mm. because it's like it's a really funny shot because you have her like slamming the door and then immediately opening in a different costume like the amount of planning that had to go into that just for this one shot I, i don't know it just got me like really appreciating how they shot that in a way that like kind of adds it comedically like 
I don't think a comedy movie would put that much thought into something like that now, you know? But like, yeah. the fact that I'm thinking about the the fact that I'm impressed by the filmmaking of Naked Gun 3 is just, it just shows you like, even though I have criticisms for these movies, they still do things in ways that like, still I still appreciate. Like, I'm just like thinking like, wow, this is really funny, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I, I can totally yeah, I, to- I can totally get it. It's 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 so inc- it's so incredibly well thought out that the, the the film the filmmake the filmmaking, especially for other shows, just to just to execute the jokes as the best way possible. Sometimes they don't execute them the best, but they do try, and that's what I appreciate them about the, about these movies. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like I don't know the fact that like I can appreciate something like that just goes to show you like even at they're worse. There is something to appreciate. Um, and I will admit there are, I think this movie, I definitely noticed some of like the jokes that have definitely aged. Like there's this one joke where, um, Frank is with that blonde lady. Oh, what was her name? Anna Nicole Smith. I believe. I think it was called Tanya. Yeah. Well, the character's name is Tanya. The character, the actress's name is Anna Nicole Smith. And like, you know, the movie is kind of, they've kind of hyped her up as like this, you know, like sexy seductress blonde lady. And then she's just like, oh, Frank, I want to go straight. I want to be with you. And like she completely strips. And then you see like a shadow, which, by the way, again, shadow, like the way it's shot, it's like done so in a very clever way. But it's revealed that like, Mm. oh, she has a dick. And he's just like, whoa. And like it goes on for like three minutes of him just like running around, like wanting to throw up. And you're just like, oh, yeah. okay, Yeah. Trans joke. Trans joke that doesn't age well. Yeah. Like it's just like, okay, I wouldn't really mind it because it's just, it is of the time. But the fact that it goes on for three minutes of him just like, and you're just like, all right, like you could have been over and done with in 30 seconds. Again, pacing, Mm -hmm. joke pacing. Like if you're going to be telling this very terrible joke that ages, that's going to age in 30 years, you could do it a little better. Like, I, I don't know. It's just weird, but yeah, for for a joke like that, but then they still have like jokes that don't go out of style, like how shitty the Oscars are. That's timeless. <laughs> Hell yeah! But to be honest, that's probably the most one of the most entertaining Oscars Oscar ceremonies of all time, and it's not even real. Oh, that's because that, after yeah, that's that's the embarrassing thing. They were trying to be purposely embarrassing, and yet that Oscar ceremony in the movie was not as embarrassing as the actual uh, embarrassing Oscars uh, ceremonies we've gotten over the years. Like, oh man, they're not even close to being as embarrassing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. but I mean that that's a great scene where like you know they're just parodying the I love like the the joke where like there's the, so they set up that like the best picture they're like oh all these best picture winners were all box office hits except for one and then that's when Leslie Nielsen like gets the envelope to see if like one of them is like the bomb that like is supposed to go off and explode during the Oscars and he like pulls it out and he's like mm-hmm. it's the bomb and like everybody starts clapping because they think oh it's, pr- it's the movie that didn't wasn't a box office success that won the Oscar <laughs> yeah I was about to mention that during this discussion that's probably my favorite wordplay of this entire of this of this movie or yeah. probably the entire trilogy but this movie specifically it's just it's just such a clever way of of setting up the joke especially with that with the ceremony of the best picture ceremony and and as as well as combining it with the conflict and the scenario that's going on in the movie, it's just, it's just, it, they marry each other perfectly. It just, yeah. it just says a, a, a well secured joke that it's gonna last for eons, at least for me, at least. <laughs> no, it, it, it's aged beautifully, and it's again, it's fun.
funnier than anything that has ever been actually at the Oscars. So there you go. Oh, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. but it leads. It, a- there's also that Oscar scene where like it, it. That's the that's like the very famous clip of like everybody like face palming. Like you see that in GIF form a lot. Like that's a classic shot. Um. Yep. The the, trip, the triple face palm meme. Yeah. That beautiful. Yeah. So good. So funny. So easily usable in any situation. Um. And then just like I feel like there's another thing I wanted to bring up. Oh, Arlie Ermy shows up in this movie for some reason. Like there's that scene when Frank is at the uh, state prison and one of the guards approaches him and it's Arlie Ermy for some reason. And it's just like, oh, yeah, you're in this movie. That's the thing about these movies. Sometimes the most random celebrities will just show up. And I mean, I, yeah. I get yeah. it because you have that scene later on at the Oscars. So you're going to have random celebrities show up. That makes sense. Like, uh Fucking Raquel Welch and James Earl Jones and Olympia Dukakis. Yeah, um, yeah I also noticed in the tred- I also noticed in the credits, Paul Feig was one of the audience of the um, audience members. Yeah, it's like, what? yeah. Paul Feig was one of the audience members. You're just like, oh, you're actually involved with a funny movie. I'm so not used to that, considering <laughs> recent, considering recently within the past decade. <laughs> Yep. Oh boy. But yeah, no, if uh, he's involved with Naked Gun 33 and a third, he was at least involved with one funny movie. Good for Paul. But anyway, yeah, no, it's yeah. Arlie Ermey just shows up and he's one of the guards and you're just like, oh, how random. Like, I, I don't know. You're just like, was it, was it supposed to be a full metal jacket joke or were they just like, no, there has to be Arlie Ermey. He has to be the, uh, the, the, the prison guard for some reason. I don't know. I'm sure I'm overthinking mm-hmm. this. I just found it weird that he showed up and like they just didn't make it a big deal. I did like the one joke yeah. where like the black guy is just like this place changes you, man. He's like, how how so? I used to be white. <laughs> that's what. Oh oh gee, yeah, that's so. Oh my god. There was also that joke when where Frank and Jane they're, they're trying to contact police squad and they see like a bunch of taxis and they're and it's like, and it's like okay, please please we need your phone we need your phone and they started and they start and they're of different ethnicities and they're trying and they're saying their own language and there there was there was one I I don't remember there was one Jamaican guy and then they go to a third day, he's he's a black. He's He's a black guy from a different and they they go, never mind. And they go away. And, it's, and they they he, they he speaks in English. Yeah. I wonder what the devil he wanted. <laughs> oh I wonder my God. what the devil they wanted. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one of those uh, such absurdist jokes that like you really it's so funny that like or it's just so out of left field that like you can't help but laugh because you're just like, what? What? Like it, it, I love I love comedy like that. Like it sometimes even if it doesn't make any sense, it if it's so absurd and it makes you like laugh out of a defense mechanism, I think that's funny. Like especially the villain death is so absurd. Like so the villain is Rocco who's like this terrorist. Um mm-hmm. so like he get he like gra- he's he's like he like falls over gets he like gets his uh, leg tangled in a cable, falls over, mm-hmm. grabs the bomb, like flies back up, just so happens to like fly out of the uh, studio and into the helicopter that uh, th- one of the other villains was on, flies through yeah. into the toilet. It's just like, and like is alive before the bomb goes off to be like pap smear. And then the movie, and then the whole fucking helicopter explodes. The, the funny thing is that he's the same character from the first movie, the one who contracts Ricardo Montalban. Yeah. 
which is weird. It's just like, oh, what, what was the point of bringing him back? But eh, whatever. He dies at the end anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, it's full circle. Full circle. I, you know what? I guess that's a good way of putting it. It's full circle. So that means they couldn't do a Naked Gun 4. I mean, at this point, they can never do a Naked Gun 4. Leslie Nielsen's dead. George Kennedy's dead. O.J. Simpson is not uh, frowned upon in society anymore. <laughs> or he is frowned upon in society, I should say, because <laughs> it's O.J. Simpson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about O.J. Simpson. So he's been in these movies. He was in 2 and 3 a lot more. I don't know why mm-hmm. they decided to bring him back and make him a more major character. I mean, when I say major character, he's still like not the main character. That's still undeniably Leslie Nielsen. But he just mm-hmm. has like a bigger role in these movies. And again, this movie came out in March of 1994, so just yeah. barely making it before the whole the whole murder debacle. So, like, I guess this movie kind of, you know, I I just can imagine like this movie coming out later and just absolutely just ruining its chances of ever like being a success in any way if it came out any yeah. later than March of 1994. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was it was three the the movie and the and the and the and the murderer band was three months apart, right? Or how much was it? Oh, I I couldn't tell you. I am not an expert in this because again, this the, the whole the whole OJ Simpson murder trial like like uh predates me by like a couple of years. So like mm-hmm. I, I did not grow up with OJ Simpson. So like I have no idea like what actually happened and like how it goes. I'd have to like watch a documentary or actually do some research because I am I am like very ignorant when it comes to this topic. All I know is that we don't like OJ Simpson anymore. <laughs> yep. So, <laughs> oh boy. Oh, uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, Naked Gun, thirty three and a third. Is there anything else you have to say about this movie? There was also some some jokes I noticed in this in this one. I was taking notes, and when and during the Oscar ceremony, they were talking they were talking about I, I don't know if it was best actress or something, but they say they start saying they start saying all that all the actresses and and what and they each one I, I haven't noted it. For example, they says woman's ordeal to beat bulimia on the background of the Donner Party crossing, and yeah. then they, and then they say woman. And then another one of another actress in a movie about a woman's triumph over a yeast infection set against the tragic Buffalo Bill season of 91. It's like, it's like, it's the joke apparently is like they're talking about these movies about normal woman situations on the background of a historical event. And it's like, what? Well, I mean, that's a very, that's a very timeless joke too, because this predates Titanic, like a, a movie about a romance set on the backdrop of the Titanic going down. Like, yeah, like that, that, that's a very, uh, big cliche, I guess, is like, you know, kind of viewing a historical dr- dramatic, uh, like a historical occurrence, but like, you know, uh, kind of pr- getting a perspective of it from like a fictional character's perspective. It's very Oscar baity to be like, oh, I was there. I, I'm like this random lady set across, set up across this backdrop of like some terrible event, this terrible tragedy happening. So again, it predates Titanic. So clearly this never stopped after Naked Gun 3 pointed that out. So yeah. Yeah. I know another example of how this movie ages well, except for OJ Stinson and the trans joke. Yeah, exactly. Some, some things never go out of style. Some things do, but I mean, considering the, the, this trilogy's track record, I think it still did pretty well. Again, I'm still laughing at a lot of these jokes, even if some of them have aged a bit, you know? 
Mm-hmm. No, I gotta be honest. I would legitimately watch that Mother Teresa musical they teased in that movie. Oh, that was so <laughs> funny how she's like singing about food, like amongst all these like dying African children. It was just, it's so absurdly hilarious and silly. Yeah, no, that was such a uh, classic Zucker Brothers edginess absolutely <laughs> and, they, and they also mentioned and they also mentioned steven spielberg's geriatric park and i and i think i remember that the simpsons actually used that joke so the simpsons stole that joke those bastards yeah yeah i mean i guess they had to because like you know it was 94 so like jurassic park was on everybody's mind they're just like oh spielberg joke let's let's do it <laughs> geriatric park not as funny as chicken park unfortunately Mm, I still need to watch that. <laughs> oh, you haven't watched Chicken Park? You you need to be initiated. Chicken Park is so funny. <laughs> yeah, maybe I will some, soon enough. <laughs> yeah, love Chicken Park. Shout out to Chicken Park. Funnier than all the naked guns. Well, maybe. <laughs> I don't know anymore. Maybe. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anything else we want to say about any of the naked guns before we get into talking about this DVD I own it on? You, for, you almost forgot the Weird Al Jankovic cameo in this uh, one. I keep forgetting about the Weird Al jokes. Uh, anyway, yes, Weird Al shows up in this movie too, kind of bringing it around full circle. He shows up in all three Naked Gun movies, whereas here he goes back to playing himself again because he's at the Oscars with Vanna White. Again, a cruel joke because UHF was not a huge hit. It could have won all the Oscars, mm-hmm. but the, the Academy is a bunch of hacks. So this was the, yeah, this, was those the hats. this was the only way Weird Al Yankovic could go to the Oscars because they didn't even nominate Daniel Radcliffe for Best Actor in Weird the Al Yankovic Story. So clearly, Weird Al was not meant for Hollywood, which I think was all for the best. Yeah, Hollywood doesn't deserve him. No, they don't. So yeah, I can't believe I kept forgetting every, every single time I kept forgetting the weird to bring up the Weird Al scene. But I mean, there's just so much to these movies that, like, I just, there's just so much to bring up. I couldn't possibly remember everything. <laughs> yeah. That, that, I want to mention some jokes. There was also that one point that when they find it, where the, when Frank and Jane are looking for the emblems, and they're like, I didn't, I didn't realize there were many that categories. And Jane mentions, they added 75 new categories. And I was thinking, I really wish the Academy Awards were that respectful to give that many categories, you know? <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah. The total. Total, well, if anything, they would take away categories. That's that's what the Academy would do nowadays, if anything. Mm-hmm. Um, which, yeah, they wanted to when they wanted to take away cinematography and editing for commercials, or they they were going to they were going to announce the winners for cinematography and editing during commercials because you know how important mm-hmm. are cinematography and editing to movies? I mean, come on. Just. Yeah, like yeah, I still can't believe they took out editing on that one Oscar Oscars award ceremony. After experiencing how editing works, it just makes me pissed, you know. I, that's why I will never take the Oscars seriously. I don't care who wins or who deserves to win. It is all bullshit. It doesn't mean anything. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. I also I also love the director character the, the, the Oscars director like like he's he's going insane about all all what Frank all the tr- all the hygiene Frank does is he's getting he's getting the stress and all and I love how at the end when Rocco like, hijacks the ser- hijacks the ceremony and, say, and kidnaps Jenny he's like screw the commercials we're we're sticking to this yeah. and and I love how he's and, and he's and he's recording everything about Jane's confession and he's like who say and then he says who say who who said I couldn't do drama yeah. <laughs> oh my god. This could be my best work. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I love that. 
And, and and I also just want to mention the the ending scene where Frank when Frank is about to receive Frank his baby Frank Driving Jr. and then he just and then when he's with Norbert and then they receive the baby and it's a black baby and then Norbert yeah <laughs> and then he chases and then he chases down and, and then Frank it's a boy I know yeah I, I wanted to imagine that Frank probably killed kill Norbert aka OJ Simpson there and and the Naked Gun universe has been saved yeah that's <laughs> that that's that's how the Naked Gun universe ends is Frank Drebin chasing Norberg. <laughs> Oh lordy, yeah. What 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 a trilogy of movies, I must say. Yeah. What what a what a what an interesting journey this was rewatching these movies. I used to watch these movies a lot as a kid, mm. as a, as a kid. I, def- I, I I even had the, I even had them on my iPad and I rewatched them whenever I go to travel to travel and everything. I re- I still remember when I was in London and I used to watch Naked Gun one and two a lot when back back then. It was it was it was an interesting journey, I got to say. That's interesting because I definitely only watched the first one like as a kid because we had it on VHS. I did not know there were sequels to it until like uh, I think like one day I was on Tubi and like I found them on Tubi. I'm just like, "Oh, there's two other Naked Gun movies." So like I watched the first one and then I watched the second and third one as well, and I was like, "Oh, I didn't know these existed." Um and then when I wanted to upgrade the uh, VHS to a DVD, I looked on Amazon and I found the Naked Gun trilogy on DVD. So uh, can I talk about that for a little bit? Of course. All right. So to tie it into the podcast, I own these movies physically on the Naked Gun trilogy uh, DVD pack. I must say I could own this on Blu-ray. I don't think it truly matters because, I mean... I was watching them on DVD and they looked fine. Like I thought the quality looked fine. Uh, and I thought mm-hmm. it was really cool that all three discs come in this case. This is a case that does not have uh, holes etched out in them, which was nice. Um, so honestly, I feel like keeping this, except I can't. And you want to know why? Uh, this actually ties into what I was saying in uh physical media discussion earlier. Um, so... After I finished the third Naked Gun movie, I was just like, huh, you know what? I really should watch the series because, I mean, it's only six episodes. I need to find it. I could not find it anywhere. It is not streaming anywhere. It is not on YouTube for free. I can't find this the series anywhere. Now, it does have a couple of DVD releases. So I went on to Amazon. I looked it up and... There was a thing, there was an option for me to buy the Naked Gun complete series along with the movie trilogy. And I thought, huh. Yeah, I was thinking, oh, all in one DVD, like all in one DVD set. I could buy the entire trilogy and the entire series all in one DVD. So I looked it up, I bought it, I got next day shipping, and I just got it today. And I was bamboozled because the Naked Gun trilogy comes in the exact same dvd that i had it in it this is not a singular dvd case it is literally just both dvds in like this interesting slip cover and so like i got bamboozled but regardless i guess i'll keep the dvd because i mean like you know it's the exact same dvd that i had beforehand but i guess i'm so this is a weird case for me I am both keeping it and getting rid of it, you know, like I'm getting rid of and keeping <laughs> the same DVD. Um, and also yeah. I'm adding a DVD to the collection 
that I have not seen yet because I have I as I'm recording this I have not seen any episode of Police Squad, um, mm-hmm. so, but I'm still adding it to the collection because I can't find it anywhere. So I need to own it physically just so yeah. I have access to it. Um, yeah, pres- preservation, obviously. Exactly. So thanks for that streaming services, I guess. But hey, it belongs in the collection regardless. So. Yeah, that that that's that's the that that's the conclusion I've come to in this episode. I'm getting rid of the Naked Gun trilogy on DVD, but I'm also keeping the Naked Gun trilogy on DVD, along with the Police Squad Squad series on DVD. So, um, <laughs> I haven't asked this. Do you have these movies physically, or what's what's your physical media collection, if you even have well, one? Well, my physical media collection. It's not that big. I mean, I do have old VHS and some DVDs, but most of, but a lot of what I had got rid of it for to do some cleaning. I do want to get not. I, I want to get Blu-rays and DVDs of the movies I love, uh, movies I love. And guess what? I actually have the Naked Gun trilogy on DVD, the tri- the triple the triple path DVD set. I think I think I have the same one as you have. How when you shared the image on Letterbox? Nice, nice. Well, yeah. there you go. And then. you know. And and you know what? For the physical media collection that I have, I'm definitely gonna keep this. I'm gonna definitely gonna keep this DVD set. If I do find the Police Squad TV series as well on DVD, I'm actually I'll, I'll try to also get that. Mm-hmm. That, but for this movie, but for this movie specifically, I'm definitely keeping them. While I do prefer the first movie over two and three, mm-hmm. these three movies define define part of my childhood, and I still laugh at them till this day. So I still I and I still will keep rewatching them as I can. So I'm definitely keeping them. And also the DVDs still look fine to, yeah. to this to the to this day. I definitely don't need to upgrade to Blu-ray at least for now, but but yeah, it I, that's my resolution with this. Yeah, I I would watch the second and third one again. Um, I definitely prefer the first one, but I, I could see myself returning to the second and third one, uh, in for future rewatches. So yeah, but we did it. We we talked about the Naked Gun trilogy. We did it. Um, hell yeah. So I uh, be, uh, be, before we end, I just want to mention this. Yeah. While I still love Naked Gun Trilogy, Airplane is still better. Oh, Airplane <laughs> is like a million times better. I prefer Airplane. It, Airplane is one of my top favorite comedies of all time. Um, yeah, for me, for me, it's a 10 out of 10 comedy film yeah. masterpiece. Yeah, so I will definitely, I'm looking forward to that episode when I get to it in 2040, I'm sure. So <laughs> anyway, PSI, uh, shout out your stuff. Where can people find you? Yeah, well, you guys can find me on my YouTube channel. It's also called PSI User 658. I run a, a little analysis, analysis review show called The Deep Ad Showcase. I review game, I review games, announcements of games, sometimes the occasional fan work. Fan work. But also, I think I might probably start talking about m- making movie review videos soon, soon enough because... Because now that I'm getting back to the movie grooving, movie grooving, I'm actually starting to appreciate more about the art of filmmaking, and I and I want to keep talking about them more. So look forward to that, I guess. You can also follow me on Twitter. I post random comments. I whatever I like to talk about or think about. I also share art sometimes. Sometimes you can also follow me on Letterbots. Also by PSI user six five eight. Also forgot uh, my Twitter handle is true PSI user six five eight. So if you're in, so if you're interested in following me on my socials, well. There you go. <laughs> yeah, your your links will be in the description for sure. Um, yeah. So thanks for this, dude. Thanks for coming on and talking about the Naked Gun trilogy. This was awesome. 
Yeah, it was it was a huge pleasure. It was a huge honor and pleasure to be here. I I really enjoy I really enjoyed this. Hope we can do this again sometime. <laughs> yeah, later on, I'm sure. Well, we'll we'll get to that some other time. But anyway, yeah. thanks for coming on this episode, and uh, thank you, the listener, for listening to today's episode. If you want to support the show, give a like, give a comment, listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or whatever. You can also listen on YouTube. Doesn't matter to me. Also, keep an eye out for shorts of the episodes that I'll post every once in a while. Uh, keep a lookout for uh, streaming. Sometimes I stream whenever I feel like it. I uh, haven't streamed in a while, but I'll maybe not stream for a while more. But uh, we'll get back to streaming at some other point, I'm sure. But yeah. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening. And always remember, hey, that's Enrico Palazzo. Hell yeah, Enrico Palazzo for the win. Yeah, all right, bye-bye, everybody. Bye.